Thank you, Pastor Joy and Pastor Josh. It's good to be with you guys. Amen? All the way from Alabama. How about that? It's good to be back in Toledo and to share with you guys. I was, it was, kind of, I was laughing here a few weeks ago. My wife, uh, she said, now, where are you going the weekend before Thanksgiving? I said, I'm going back to Toledo. You know, I've been going up there about four or five years. She said, hmm, how about eight or nine years? And, and uh, Josh and Joy and I were talking about it just a little while ago, and Time gets away from you, doesn't it? And it's been a joy to be a part of your life for this long, just to be able to see what God's doing and, and just to be a part of all the Lord's are doing here in Toledo and, and to walk with you guys. i got to tell you, it's more than an honor to be here and, uh, and to sow, but also to see your growth. Many of you, as I've seen, grow through the years. You look back over and you say, God, thank you for that. I've been in ministry 41 years. I know I don't look that old. I'm only 25. But nevertheless... <laughs> I've been doing this for 41 years, and I look back over and I say, God, thank you, Lord, for the lives that I've seen change in 41 years. People who started their walk with the Lord and consistently just continue to walk it out, who didn't give up. People who said, God, you know what, I'm, I'm in covenant. Lord, I'm in covenant. How many of y'all feel like you're in covenant with the Lord? Say, so I'm in covenant. You know, when you're in covenant with the Lord, nothing else really matters, does it? And, uh, you know, you understand the power of covenant and, and being able to walk together and you understand what God's doing. So it's a great time. It's good to be with you tonight and this whole weekend. We're just going to have a great time uh, tonight and then with some of your servant leadership tomorrow, being able to pour into them. And Sunday's going to be a rock and roll day. Turn your neighbor and say, come rock and roll with us. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. I'm excited about Sunday and just all God's going to be doing with us on Sunday. And uh, it's just going to be a great time in the Lord. Tonight I want to talk to you about recalibration. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 16, and I'll be there in a little while, okay? I'm not going to start out there, but I'm going to get over there. That's my main text. <coughs> but I do have a lot of other scriptures I'm going to share with you guys that I think that is very, very important. It really... Uh, some things that I, that I think that is very significant. And there's two things about what happened tonight that, that was uh, very powerful for me. One was, was a vision I had while we were worshiping, and I, I zoned out for a while. And, um, you know, whenever I just got out on my face before the Lord and began to, to, uh, just, to, to just to pray and to worship, I saw something that was very, very interesting. I saw a fountain... And the only way I know to describe it is the, the water coming out of the fountain was out of control. And the fountain was a big, huge fountain. It was a lion, and the water was coming out of the, the mouth of the lion. And, of course, the lion represents the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I saw this flow of water. Just I mean, it was like a fire hydrant had been turned on out of it. And there were people all around this fountain, and they were just taking all of the water in. And, I, and as I began to pray into that, I felt like the Lord was saying that there is a, not only is there a deep well here, but there is a fresh flowing fountain of rivers of living water out of this house. Amen? And I really believe it's the heart of the Lord that you guys realize uh, you're here for a reason. What's happening here in the worship, what's happening here with Vision Ministries, is God has placed you here. You are a fountain that other people can come receive from. Amen? And, you know, sometimes it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant, and that's okay. It's re- How many of y'all have ever tried to get a drink out of a fire hydrant? You get blown away every time. You ever been in worship around here and just got blown away? Huh? Have you? Have you ever been in worship and just got blown away? Just like, well, God, that was great. I, I tried to get all I could, but there was more coming out than I could get a hold of. But I saw this, I saw this huge fountain and I saw this line and I saw this, this, uh, fountain that was out of control. 
And guys, I'm going to tell you what, there is no greater place to be than in the place where the Lord is out of control. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's out of control here. The Lord always colors outside the lines. God always operates outside the box. And the Lord has to be out of control. The minute you begin to control the Lord, you miss what God's wanting to do. Amen? The other thing that was really impressed me was the wind that was blowing in here while we were worshiping. How many of y'all felt the wind blowing in here? Well, come on, let me see your hands. How many of y'all felt wind blowing in here? Come on, everybody get your hand up. Who felt the wind blowing? Y'all look around. I asked Josh, I said, did you feel the wind blowing? He said, no, you need to get in on the wind, brother. I'm just telling <laughs> I felt the wind blowing in here. I mean, I just, I, four or five times I looked around and thought, where did that come from? And I remember a word that I prophesied recently <coughs> that there is the fresh wind of the Spirit blowing again. That the fresh wind of the Spirit is beginning to blow, and as it does, there's going to be a remarkable change that comes to the body of Christ. And I really believe that if you'll get your sail up, if you'll get your sail up high, you'll catch the wind of the Spirit in this next season. And there is no telling where God's going to take you. Guys, there is a fresh wind of the Spirit, and as it blows, it's going to bring such movement within the church of America, and we get to be a part of what God is bringing in this season of the supernatural, the signs, wonders, and miracles, all the things that the Lord is restoring back to the church. And I really believe that we got to grab that and begin to understand that the heart of the Father is bringing us to that place to where we can receive. So every time that you start feeling the wind blow, you feel maybe a gentle breeze, you feel a strong breeze in worship, you need to thank the Lord for the wind of His Spirit. Also, many times, whenever you feel that going on, there are angelic encounters. Some can see, some cannot see, but there are angels. How many of y'all believe in angels? Angels are everywhere. A lot, of, a lot of times in the church in America, we don't talk a lot about angels. Some churches you go in, you start speaking about angels. They look at you like, you, like you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. But the Bible is full of angels. And whenever we, uh, whenever we start studying Scripture, we start realizing just how powerful angelic encounters really are. And you know, the Lord really sent a lot of angels to minister to His sons and daughters. And I really believe that you guys are in for some of those challenging encounters, those ministerial uh, angelic beings that come to minister to you. They come to render service to the elect of the Lord. And a lot of times people say, well, I don't really deserve an angel. Well, nobody deserves an angel. God doesn't give angels because we deserve it. He gives us angels because we need His help. We, 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 we need His touch. He doesn't give us angels because we do the right thing. He gives us angels because we need Him to strengthen us and to give us direction. I don't know about you. I may not deserve it, but I want every one I can get. Amen. How many of y'all want angels? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want some angels. All right, come on, let's ask the Lord. Lord, y'all look into the heavens. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. Send us angels. Lord, we need your angels operating in our lives. In Jesus' name. You know, the, recently the Lord really has been dealing with me. I want to talk to you about recalibration tonight. And uh, the Lord has been dealing with me a lot about how He's recalibrating the church. Seven times in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Revelation 2 and 3, you hear this phrase, Let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And in seven times in Revelation 2 and 3, 
the Lord is saying to the church, this is the Lord Jesus saying to the seven churches in Asia Minor, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And in those seven times, Jesus was addressing each of the seven churches. He was speaking to them about different things in the church and things that needed to go on, things that needed to change. But the common common phrase, the common word, was if you really want if you really want what I bring you, you have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. I really believe the Lord is positioning us now because He's wanting us to have ears to hear what He's saying. There's something that He's trying to say to the church of America, and there's something He's trying to say to the church here in vision that we need to learn how to hear what the Lord is saying. Guys, I'm telling you, hearing the voice of the Spirit is the most important thing that you'll ever hear in the earth. Because when you begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you'll begin to be moving on point with the Lord again. I've had a couple of prophetic encounters I want to tell you about in starting this tonight. But uh, recently I was in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and whenever I walked in, I uh, was going to speak, and I looked in the back of the church. When I did, I saw a big gray box, big electrical box, had a big round button like this, and it had reset written across it. And I was standing there looking at it, and I knew it was a prophetic vision because it wasn't really there in the natural. And I said, Lord, what am I looking at? He said, it's a reset button. I said, I understand that, but why are you showing me a reset button? He said, because I'm about to reset the church of America. And he said, when I push the reset button, I'm going to take it back to its original condition so that it will function the way I originally intended for it to function. Read the book of Acts. And whenever I came out of that vision, I began meditating on what the Lord was saying. And I realized all of a sudden the Lord was saying something so powerful in the fact that he was trying to say to us, I'm going to be doing something so unique and so powerful that's going to be so different than anything that you've ever seen. And the problem is many of us have gotten away from the book of Acts in the way that we do church, the way we look at ourselves as Christians. And we no longer measure ourselves by the things that, that the Lord measures us by. And whenever the Lord told me, he said, I'm resetting the church, he said, I'm, I'm really having to do a lot of work in all of you. And then uh, as I began to pray, <coughs> the Lord began telling me about how things get reset. And I, I was having a problem with my, my phone. I took it to Verizon and, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> I picked up something. I, I've been on a long trip and I picked up something long ways. So y'all pray for me for healing tonight. Amen. But I know uh, whenever I, I took my phone into Verizon, I was having problems with it. Whenever I did, the, the guy looked at it and he said, how long has it been since you've turned it off? I said, well, I never turn it off. I just plug it in at night and recharge the battery. He said, oh, you need to turn it off every night. I said, why? He said, because it needs to be reset. He said, what's happened is the operating system on your phone's gotten corrupted. And he said, you need to turn it off, power, let it go ahead and power down, plug it in, let it power back up, and it'll perform a soft reset on the phone. The phone will function properly. I said, really? He said, yeah. And he did that, and the phone powered down. We plugged it in, came back up, worked fine. And he began talking to me about the importance of reset. When he got through talking to me, I said, thanks a lot. I needed a good sermon. It was kind of funny because I realized at that particular point that what happens is many of us many, many times don't get a proper reset in our life. And I'm finding out that many of us need to be recalibrated because we're not spending the time to power down so the Lord can power us back up in order to be able to discern properly what He's trying to get us to do in life. You see, we run, run, run. We do, do, do. And the problem is we never come to the place that we unplug long enough and then plug back in and let God begin to recharge our batteries. 
Now, don't anybody answer this. Don't anybody raise your hand. But let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you unplugged for a day or two just to let God to recharge your spiritual battery? When was the last time that you stopped long enough to let God do what He wanted to do in your life? You know, whenever we look at creation, God worked how many days? And what did He do on the seventh? And what did He tell us to do? He said work six and rest one, didn't He? How many of us really honor a Sabbath in our life? How many of us know what it is to unplug for a day so that we can plug back into God, get our batteries recharged so that we'll function properly for the next six days? And the church in America actually runs in crisis mode because we are not fully, fully reset back to God's original intention. How do I know that? Because we're not doing what the New Testament church did. We're having church, we're just not doing church. Come on now, did you hear what I said? We're having church, we're just not doing church. You see, you can have church, fill it up, people can come, get blessed, have good worship, have a good sermon, we can have good prayer, good ministry, and they go on, and but they never, 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 never become the church. And you see, the truth is, in order for us to become the church, we're going to have to be reset. We've got to be recalibrated back to what the church really is to be. So I was, uh, I, I had another encounter that was a natural thing, but it became a prophetic event in my life. I had to buy a set of tires while I was out on the road. I drive about 4,000 miles a month, and I was out on a trip, had a tire go bed, so I bought four tires and put them on my car. And coming back home, I noticed that the tires were a little bit out of balance, so when I got home, I took it to the regular tire store where I, where I buy tires normally. And the guy there, he asked me, he said, where'd you get these tires? And I told him the story. He said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and balance them for you. He took it in the back and he started balancing each one of those tires. And he found out that every one of the tires were out of balance. And so whenever I, I went to pick the car back up, he looked at me and he said, he said, they must not have recalibrated their tire machine. I said, recalibrate their tire machine. He said, yeah. He said, we recalibrate our tire machine every morning before we start and every day I lunch. Twice a day, we recalibrate our tire machine so that when we balance the tires, we balance them properly. And he said, a lot of tire stores don't ever recalibrate them. They put them in, they balance tires, call them balanced, but he said they're never recalibrated back to zero so that the tire will be balanced back to the zero so that it will be in balance at all times. And he said, the biggest problem with your tires are your tires are out of balance. And I thought... There's your good sermon right there. How often do we recalibrate our lives so that we know how to maintain properly? So then I called uh, one, of my, uh, one of my nephews who works at a big plant down in Houston, Texas. And I said, uh, hey, i got a question. I need to talk to you about recalibration. And he said, oh, that's great. That's what I do. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I, I recalibrate gauges and I recalibrate uh, vessels. And I said, well, tell me about recalibration. He said, well, you've ever heard of, of plants having explosions? I said, yeah. He said, the reason a plant has an explosion is because a, a gauge or a vessel gets out of calibration. And he said, when it gets out of calibration, it throws everything off in the plant. The pressures go crazy. And when it does, it blows something out in the in the uh, in the plant. He said, sometimes we can blow up half a plant because one gauge gets out of calibration. And he said, some gauges are so sensitive, we have to recalibrate those twice in a day. Some it's once a day, some it's once a week, some it's once a month, once a quarter, twice a year. Just depending on the sensitivity of whatever we're doing in that gauge or that vessel, we have to recalibrate those things. And he said, my job is to keep this plant running, and if I don't do my job right, I'll blow this plant up. 
Because he said, if I let the gauges and the vessels get out of calibration, it will not be able to handle the pressure that we operate under here. And I said, well, what happens if uh, if you let this uh, part, part of your plant that you're overseeing here, what happens um, if you let it get out of calibration? He said, I work in the most caustic area of the plant. He said, if we blow up this end of the plant, about a fourth of Houston's going to die. How many of y'all want those vessels calibrated right? And I began talking to him a lot about calibration. The Lord started speaking to him and he said, the reason that most Christians today are really having problems in their life is because they get out of calibration. <coughs> and you know, the truth is, is that many of us don't know how to discern properly. We don't know how to operate properly. We don't know how to live properly because we get our whole life out of calibration. And so let me give you four things that you can do to get your life back in calibration with the Lord, all right? And I want you to understand, I'm going to give you, here are three givens, all right, three givens that I'm not going to talk about tonight, but I just, you can write this and then I'm going to give you those four things to put your life back in calibration. Three givens, number one, you, you ought to have a prayer life, number two, you ought to be in the Word, and number three, you ought to be full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give those to you. I'm going to expect everybody in this room knows they need to be praying, everybody needs to be reading their Bible, and everybody needs to be full of the Holy Spirit, amen? And if you're not, we need to get that straightened out tonight. Amen. A lot of places I go, people don't know how to pray. Churches don't pray anymore. They really don't. I, I talk to Christians all the time. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't read their Bible anymore. They're, they're not full of the Holy Spirit. And guys, let me tell you something. If you're ever going to be uh, functional in what you do as a believer, if you're going to be functional in this area of Toledo, you're going to have to learn how to carry on a prayer life, read your Bible, and be full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But the truth is, most of us are so busy, we don't have time to take... Uh, time to recalibrate our life in those areas. Let me ask you a question about your prayer life. How much time are you spending with the Lord completely away from everyone else? How much time are you spending with the Lord in your prayer life, not listening to someone else pray, not having somebody else pray for you, but time that you are completely unplugged somewhere by yourself and no one around, and you're carrying on your prayer life? You see, the truth, many of us don't really have a prayer life. We have people that pray for us and we pray with people, but we don't have time that we just unplug and just spend time with the Lord. <clears throat> and really what God's doing is He's bringing us back to the place that we'll be able to have a deep prayer life. The second thing is we need to know what God's Word says. L listen, I don't know how often you spend reading your Bible, but ladies and gentlemen, you need to be spending a portion of your day every day in the Word. I'm not saying you ought to be reading five chapters or five books a day. I had one pastor, his conviction was he needed to read one book of the Bible every day. So every 66 days he read through the Bible completely. And, and there are some people, thank you, some people really, uh, you know, just neglect that period of time. So I want to encourage you to go back and spend time reading the Word. Go back and spend that time that you know that you, that you have allowed the Word of God to form your life. And then the third thing is, is, is the power of the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely no substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. These are givens. These are things that are expected for us. I don't understand people that don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me make a statement, all right? Everything that God does today in the New Testament church in America, He is going to do by His Spirit. Everything that God does today in the New Testament church, He's going to do by the Spirit. 
You know how I know that? Because of John chapter 14, John chapter 15, 16, and 17. Jesus sealed it and he said, I'm going to leave, but we're going to send you another helper. I'm going to go and I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. We're going to send the helper and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to be with you. In fact, he's going to be in you. Everywhere you go, he's there. And everything that's done in the earth after I leave will be done by the Spirit of the Lord operating through you. And did you know in the New Testament church, they never, ever, ever did anything anything without the fullness of the Holy Spirit directing their life. And so if I'm going to walk in recalibration, I've got to know that my prayer life's right, I've got to be in the Word, but I've got to have the, full of, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, every one of us in this room leak. Turn to your neighbor and say, you leak. <coughs> you do, you just leak. And you need fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I have people say, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 15 years ago. Right. When did you get filled back up? And they look at me like, what? <laughs> Acts 13.52. Write that down in your notes. Acts 13.52. The disciples were continually, say continually, filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? It means that they were continually filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the, the, the Holy Spirit was a continual filling kind of a thing in their life because Holy Spirit was a person that empowered them to live every day in a walk with the Father that would give them what they need to do what needs to be done. So you got to understand, in Acts 13.52, that's 52, not 16, 13.52, it's interesting to realize that they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit in everything they did. So let's talk about recalibration. If we're going to be recalibrated, if we're really going to begin to uh, <coughs> understand the power of recalibration, the first step of recalibration is restoration. The Scripture says in, in Acts 2.43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and with great power, with great uh, signs and wonders, the, the, uh, the apostles were giving witness of the Lord. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many signs and wonders were taking place through the hands of the apostles. It was a powerful thing. And if we're going to be recalibrated, we've got to get back to that place that we have that restoration of power within the church. But here's what was so interesting. All the believers, say all the believers, felt the awe of God. The A-W-E. In other words, they were awestruck at what he did. God was so big and God was so good that their lives were challenged by who he was. They never lost the awe of God in their life. They knew the magnitude of who he was. He was almighty. He was God. They never got too familiar with him. They literally lived every day with the awe of the Lord in their life. And they were all feeling that sense of awe in Acts 2.43. Because of that... There was a restoration. You see, if we're ever going to be recalibrated, we've got to have power in the church. The power of the church is the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. The power of the church is the Holy Spirit. (coughs) Now, if we're ever going to walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to learn as sons and daughters how to be able to say, Lord, what I need, I need you restoring into me everything I need. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to pray for someone and prayed for them and nothing happened? What did you think when nothing happened? Lord, I need you to give me more power. Lord, nothing happened. I've got to do something. God, I, I, I need you to do something here. Lord, nothing happened. Let me ask you this. When you pray for people, do you expect what you pray for to happen to them? 
Well, about three of you did. Now, how many of y'all, when you pray for somebody, how many of you believe that what you pray for, God is going to do for them? Okay, we're about halfway. You see, we've got to have the restoration of power in the church because we got to believe that when we pray for somebody, it's going to happen. I, I was uh, went back after we had lunch today. I went back and watched the YouTube of David Hogan. How many of y'all know who David Hogan is? David Hogan is a very interesting individual. He's a missionary down in Mexico, but David Hogan has raised over 200 people from the dead in his ministry. Now, collectively, with those that walk with him, they have raised over 500 people from the dead. Amen. How would y'all like to run around with a bunch of people that raise folks from the dead all the time? Amen. Wouldn't that be cool? And the truth is, is that we've got to get to the place that we believe that could be a norm for us. You see, we, we can listen to the testimony of David Hogan and think, God, that is so awesome you're doing that for him. Let me ask you a question. Will God do that for you? Will God do that for you? Okay, let me ask the question. Will God do that for you? Yes. Now, how many of us really believe He will? You see, the truth is, we need a restoration of power because we don't see the power operating in our church. This is my personal opinion. Every New Testament church, every New Testament church in America ought to be operating in the demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles every Sunday when they gather, or they forfeit their right to exist as a New Testament church. That's my opinion. Some of y'all are looking at me like, really? Yeah. I See, I think every time we gather, people ought to be being healed. Lives ought to be changed. People ought to be saved. I think every time we come together for a service, I think things ought to happen. Amen? I think things ought to happen whenever we're just out going to work every day. Or we may go out to eat at McDonald's or wherever. You know what? I believe that the New Testament church needs to be so possessed with the power of the Holy Spirit that the power of the Holy Spirit guides and directs everything we do every day of our life. Amen? And I believe that raising people from the dead ought not be the exception. It ought to be the norm. So what's happening is we got to get back to the norm. John 14, 12 says, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Do you hear what he said? He said, listen, if you believe in me, everything I've done, you're going to do. In fact, you're going to do greater stuff than I did because I'm going to the Father and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you and you'll be able to do works greater than I ever did. I don't know about you. I'm just trying to catch up with what He did so I can get past into what He hadn't done yet. Why do we need restoration of power? Because we're not even doing what He did and I'm trying to get to greater works than He did. We need a fresh infusion of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to learn how to be friends with the Spirit of God. We need to learn how to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. We need to have a prayer life where what we pray for, we believe that we have received it so that we can possess it. One of the ladies in our church there in Hartzell recently laid hands on a woman who had cancer and a cancerous tumor on her foot, the tumor fell off on the floor. 
She went and got a Ziploc bag, picked it up, gave it, put it in the Ziploc bag, gave it to the lady and said, go tell your doctor he can have his cancer back. <laughs> then there was another lady. I was in Murray, Kentucky. We were praying for laying in healing room. She had a big old cancer on her foot. We started praying for her. It fell off on the floor. Guess what we did? Same thing. Now, let me ask you this. How many of y'all would be impressed if a cancer fell off your foot in the floor? Wouldn't that be cool? It's the coolest thing you ever saw in your life. Kind of ugly, but it's cool. But to be able to see the miraculous thing that the Lord does when we walk in power. You see, God's called us to walk in that kind of a power, that kind of authority. That we can say to cancer, be gone, and it's gone. Amen? My spiritual father, Juan Casas in Mexico, one time was diagnosed with inoperable cancer. Doctors told him, Juan, we can't operate on you. Radiation will not heal you. Chemotherapy will not heal you. You're going to die. He said, no, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm too young. I can't die. He said, I've got to win saltillo to Christ. There's too many things for me to do. I've got too many people I need to talk to. He went home, laid across the bed, started praying, got sick at his stomach, got up, went outside, and vomited the tumor up in the grass. So he went and got a plastic sack, picked the tumor up, put it in the plastic sack, took it back to his doctor, said, here's the tumor, check me out. He went back and checked him out, and there was no cancer in his body. <laughs> Would that not be cool? You go out there and you vomit in your yard, and your neighbor says, what's going on? Well, I just threw a tumor up my cancer. I, come on to, I need to take his cancer down to the doctor so he'll know I'm free. Stuff like that happens all the time. I was in Murray, Kentucky the other day. We had a lady. They had brought her in, and she had been in an accident, and uh, her leg had been crushed. And whenever they put her leg back together, uh, she was missing about three inches of bone out of her left leg. And so they brought her in, and we started praying for her, and her leg grew out three inches. Well, I'm glad two of you are impressed. Her leg grew out three inches. And she looked at me and she said, my, my leg is short because there was no bone there. I said, she said, the doctor said that they could go in and do surgery and lengthen my leg and put bone in, but it would be a very painful process. I said, that wasn't too painful at all, was it? <coughs> she said, no, it wasn't. But God put three inches of bone back in her leg. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why we don't see more of that happening. Because we're not excited about it. (laughs) It's kind of like people getting saved. See, we would see a lot more people saved if we just got excited about people getting saved. Well, so-and-so just gave their life to Jesus. God said, oh, that's wonderful. Yay, we're just, man, glad to have you. We'll baptize you. Everything will be great. Are you kidding me? What do the angels in heaven do? They party in heaven. Amen. Over every sinner that repents. Amen. You see, we got to have a restoration of power. We are so conditioned to the lack of power, we don't know how to treat the power when it shows up. 
We're so conditioned to the lack of power. We're so conditioned to our, our prayers not being answered. We're so conditioned to the lack of the movement of God. And whenever we start seeing God move, we don't know how to process it. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. In the New Testament church, signs, wonders, and miracles were the norm, and the excitement level was out the roof. You know why? Because they lived every day with an awe. Say A-W-E. The awe of the Lord. Because they saw the awe of the Lord, they were able to do great things. The second step in being able to recalibrate the church is realignment. If we're ever going to be able to do what needs to be done, we've got to have realignment in the church. The church, when it's out of alignment, will not be able to operate properly. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and, and uh, I've read this passage over and over again, and, and, and it kind of troubles me a little bit because of the way it's worded, but listen to this. In Acts chapter 16, beginning verse 6, And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and, and when they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And whenever he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what happened was Paul and his companions were trying to go into these areas, and so they went into Phrygia and Galatia, and it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, don't you find that kind of strange? That the Holy Spirit would forbid Paul and his companions to preach over in the Phrygian and Galatian region. And then they go in over into Mysia and Bithynia, and Jesus is over there saying, you're not going in there and preaching either. Now, wouldn't that trouble you if the Lord says, you can't say a word here, go somewhere else, you can't preach or teach here. And then they go down to Troas, and they can't do anything in Troas. They go to bed one night, and a vision comes to Paul in the night. <coughs> and in this vision, this man was saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So the next morning they got up and decided that they needed to go to Macedonia. So they got on a ship, sailed three more days to get into Caesarea. And whenever they got there, they went into Philippi. And then we had the story of the Philippian jailer. Now let me say this. What was happening? God was realigning them. You see, what happened was they weren't in the right place. They weren't in the right place. And in order for the church to be recalibrated, sometimes God has to realign us. Part of us achieving our destiny and part of us achieving the place that God wants us to go is a realigning process. Hear me, church. Say, I'm listening. You are ten years old and you're not going to keep doing the same thing you've done for ten years. God will realign you because you have a greater mission and a greater destiny. God's got more people that He wants you to reach. God has more Toledo He wants you to touch. And He's got to realign you to get you to where you need to be. Amen? This is an apostolic house. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is an apostolic house. That means that y'all need to be thinking about how you're going to reach this city in a greater way. See, that whole realigning process gets us to where we need to be. Paul and them are going to go to Galatia, and the Holy Spirit says, Nope. Well, we'll go to Mysia. Jesus said, Nope. We'll go to Troas. The Lord says, Nope. Go on down there to Macedonia. That's where they need you. <coughs> Let me just tell you something. This idea I can go anywhere I want to go and be a benefit to God is a bunch of junk. 
You better find out where your assignment is and get in it. Amen? You can minister your whole life and miss your assignment and wear yourself out. Or you can get in your assignment and do ministry that will count. Listen, God has a place for you to be. God has a place for you to reach. God has a people for you to touch. And I'm telling you right now, Vision Ministries, please hear what I'm saying. God has a strategic way that He wants you to reach out in this city and He's going to give you a pattern and He's going to give you assignments and if you will step into those assignments, you'll see the explosive growth of the blessing of God over your life and ministry. Why? Because God is into assignments. This is not a time for you to miss your assignment. God's got to realign you to get you to where you need to be so you can be most effective for Him. I pray over where, everywhere I go. I, listen, I get to sleep in my bed one or two nights a week. I'm in about four or five different beds every week. I'm in a different city. I just got home day before yesterday from 11 days of being in other cities. Came home for a day and a half. I'm up here. I go back home. And I'll be home for a few days before I go again. And you know what? I pray about everywhere I go. You know why? Because I can be busy in ministry or I can be on assignment. I I don't want to be here if I'm not supposed to be here. I love coming here. I love y'all. I enjoy coming up here. I look forward to coming to Toledo. I love you guys. But if I'm not supposed to be here, I don't want to be here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, thank God I'm on assignment. And I'll be honest with you, I'm on assignment. I'm supposed to be here this weekend. I know that I know that I know in my knower I'm supposed to be here this weekend. How many of you know and you know or you are where you're supposed to be? And sometimes God's got to realign us. Sometimes we think, well, Lord, I need to go over here. He said, nope. Nope, no, I don't think so. Lord, I think I need to go over here. He said, nope. Well, Lord, where is it that you want me to go? He said, I'm glad you asked. How many of y'all know the Lord really wants to tell you where he wants you to go? Now, can I just interpret for you what Acts 16, 6 means? Paul and, Paul and his companions decided they wanted to go to Galatia. God says, uh-uh. Then they decide they want to go to Bithynia, and God says, uh-uh. And then they decide they want to go to Troas, and the Lord said, no. And finally they said, okay, God, we tried to go three places. Where do you want us to go? And God says, I want you to go to Macedonia. Now, how many of y'all know that they could have saved a lot of time if they had asked the Lord when they started where they were supposed to go instead of wandering around all over Asia Minor trying to figure out where they were supposed to be? Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have wandered around long enough? You know why Christians wander around? Because they're not in alignment. They're not on their assignment. Man, you get out of alignment, you'll wander around all over the place. All right, let me. How many of you been in here drive cars or trucks? <coughs> Come on, how many of you guys? Let me see. All right, ladies, y'all won't understand what I'm fixing to say. All right, but all men in this room understand. When your car, or your truck gets out of alignment, will it wander all over the road until you get it realigned? And when you get realigned, it'll run straight down the road. If that thing gets out of alignment, it'll run you off in the ditch over here and the ditch over here. You try to run down the road, you're going down the road like this, but you get in alignment when that front end is good and tight and that car is in good alignment, it'll run straight down the road. You almost don't even have to steer it. It'll just run straight down. Isn't that right? You know why? Because it's in right alignment. When you're not in right alignment with the Lord and you're not on the assignment of the Lord, you'll wander around all over the cotton-picking place. 
Oh, Lord, bless what I do. Oh, God, bless my ministry. Oh, God, bless everything. that. And God said, no, I don't think so. What I need you to do is I need you to be realigned. <coughs> I need you to get in that place where you can be the most benefit to the kingdom. The third step to this process of recalibration is reassignment. I love the story of Acts chapter 8. Philip, and I'm going to talk about this some tomorrow with your leaders, but Philip in Acts chapter 8 was in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Great revival. Then the Lord sent him down to Samaria. He goes down to Samaria and he's down there preaching. Powerful things are happening in Samaria. Signs and wonders, people getting saved. Lives are being changed. Then, the whole, then, then an angel of the Lord comes one night and says, I want you to go down on the road to Gaza. Say an angel. Come on, everybody. Say an, an angel. Said, go to Gaza. Now, now, hold on just a minute. He, he, he was in a great move of God in Jerusalem. He's in a great move in Samaria. And now here's this angel that comes along and says, I want you to go down the road to Gaza. And Philip's standing there thinking, well, okay. But what's down in Gaza? And this angel says, you'll know when you get there. How many of y'all know when the Lord tells you, you know when you get there, that that's a loaded situation? <coughs> so, Philip takes off down the road to Gaza. You know what he finds when he gets down there? One man. Say one man. One man. Now, hold on. Hundreds were back in Jerusalem. Hundreds were back in Samaria. And you mean God would ask him to leave the hundreds to go after one guy? And the Bible says that whenever he got down to Gaza, the Holy Spirit said, go join yourself to this man. Now, do you know why the Holy Spirit was down at Gaza? Because there was a man that needed to get saved. Well, well why didn't an angel? Why didn't the angel just meet him down there? Because an angel cannot save anyone. But the Holy Spirit will save everyone He touches. Did you know you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit? Scripture says no man comes to the Father except that the Spirit draw him. You can't get convicted of your sin without the Holy Spirit. So Philip gets down there and the Holy Spirit is there and the Holy Spirit <coughs> tells him, says, go join yourself to this guy in his chariot. <coughs> So he goes over this chair and this guy's reading the book of Isaiah. And while he's down there reading the book of Isaiah, he said, uh, do you know what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless somebody tells me? And the Bible says that Philip starts preaching Jesus to him out of Isaiah the prophet. The guy gets saved. He looks up and says, well, here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. So he takes the guy down and he baptizes him in a pool of water. Now this is what's cool. He baptizes him in a pool of water. When he comes up out of the water, the Spirit snatches him away and drops him 20 miles down the road in a little town called Azotus. And here's Philip standing in the middle of a dry road, dripping wet, water running off him, people looking at him like, where did you come from? And the Bible says he preached his way back to Caesarea. Now listen to me. Say, I'm listening. 
God knows you how to get you in your assignment. I've been transported 18 times. Do you hear what I said? Let me say it again. I have been transported 18 times. Because God had an assignment. And whenever the Lord dropped the assignment on me, I said, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? I can't get there. He said, I can get you there. I'll take you there. And you know what? I found out God knows how to reassign us. And you know what? God's trying to reassign some of us in the body of Christ. He's trying to get us where we need to be, where we'll be most effective for Him. Now, please hear me. Everybody say, I'm listening. listening. Turn your neighbor and say, listen to what's fixing to come. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for vision ministries to multiply. Well, three of you agree. That's wonderful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for vision ministries to multiply. Yeah. You know why? Because you got to grow. you got to be fruitful and multiply. When I got married, we wanted kids. We multiplied. Guys, it's time for you all to keep multiplying. You, you hear what I'm saying? It's time for this ministry to multiply. You guys got to grow because there's got a, there's a lot of people in this region that need what you have. Amen? Turn your neighbor and say, it's time to multiply. That ought to get you excited. <coughs> because in the multiplication process, in the multiplication process, there, there's always a place of growth. When we begin to multiply, whenever we begin to grow and God begins to take us places, that means that there's new opportunities, there's new ministries on the horizon, there's new lives to touch, there's, there's places of growth. In other words, we have to mature and grow into that place where God can take us where He needs us to go so that we can be a greater degree of advancing the kingdom of God where we are. Guys, it's wonderful that God does great things here, but you can't stop here. you got to keep going. Turn your neighbor and say, you got to keep going. Now I start preaching this stuff, I get so excited I can't hardly help it. I, I, I love it. I just, you know why? Because reassignment, man, God's, God's got to get us, He's got to get us moving. I, 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 I was driving down here tonight thinking, my God, what opportunities. I, I, I flew into Toledo last night and Today I drove around a little bit. When I drove around and, and I thought I was in Toledo, come find out they told me I was in Mommy. <laughs> Mamma, Mommy. I was in several other places. I thought I was in Toledo. I kept looking around thinking, man, there's people to reach. There's people to reach. There's people to reach. You know, hear me when I say this. It's easy to get comfortable with our four no more. You hear me? It's easy to get comfortable with our four no more, but what if God? Say, what if? if? God. God. Now, what if God were to say, I want you to reach further? Well, I'm with you, sis. It's it's, it's about, God, what's our assignment? God, what what are you doing? Lord, what's on your mind? God, who else can we get? Lord, who else can we reach? 
you know, Philip was in Jerusalem. God sent him down to Samaria. Then, then he goes down the road to Gaza. He ends up in Azotus. Breaches his way back down to Caesarea. He didn't know what he was doing. He was just following the Holy Spirit. The Lord was reassigning him. He was taking him places. And because of what he did, they were a blessing to all the nations of the earth. I, I was looking back at your mission board before I came in. Do y'all realize that y'all are touching the body of Christ around the world? Do you do you understand what I'm saying? I looked at that mission board. <coughs> you give money every month. Thailand, Senegal. I started looking at all those places y'all give money every. Do y'all realize you are touching the uttermost parts of the earth? Do you know that's your assignment? That's part of your assignment. Sometimes it's easy to say, "Well, we're just down here in downtown Toledo." No, you're not. You are around the world. You guys gave an offering into Rontil Ministries tonight. Guess what? You're going everywhere I go. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to drag you with me now because you put money in an offering that's going to help me buy diesel for my car and help me buy a plane ticket. And I'm going to be in Canada and South America and Africa and Europe next year and all over the United States. I'm dragging you all everywhere I go. Do you understand? You're going around the world. That's part of your assignment. You're just not down here in a three-block area blessing a few folks. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. The world is God's assignment for you. Amen? See, we have a part. <laughs> we have a part. You're going to help send me to Gaston, Alabama in a week. And then you're going to send me to Richmond, Kentucky week after that. And then the week after that, God knows where I'm going to be. You guys are going to have a part of that. You know why? Because you sowed an offering into my ministry that's going to help me do what I need to do around the earth. You know what? You are going with me. Your prayers are going with me. When you pray for Rontil Ministries, guess what? You are a part of everything that our ministry does. And when I pray for you and I sow an offering into you, guess what? I'm a part of everything that you're doing. And ladies and gentlemen, hear me right now. It is real easy to sit down and to think about how well we're doing right here. But the question is, how much further does God want us to go? How much further does He want us to take us? That if we can bond together and to be the church in downtown Toledo, how can we begin to affect the other regions around us and carry the message of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom? <coughs> Last one. <coughs> Man, y'all excuse me, pardon me. If the church is going to be recalibrated, there has to be reformation. The word reformation means to reform. Say reform. Reformation exists because the church is reformed into what the Lord wants to do. Unless we allow the Lord to reform us, the church will be behind. And in a lot of places, the church falls behind. We get to thinking about our four no more. We get to thinking about our four city blocks that we reach. We get to thinking about just the folks in our church. We get to thinking about, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. But here's the real question we need to ask ourselves. How much further does God want us to go as a church family? 
How much further does God want us to go as a as a congregation? Because I'm telling you right now, God is in the business of taking you further than you could ever imagine. <laughs> what if? Let me ask. Let me just ask you a question. What if? What if? And, and, and here again, let me, let, me, let me back up before I say that. Do y'all have any idea what God's got going on here with y'all? Do y'all have any idea what God, what's going on here? Sometimes we get so familiar with each other, we don't see the miraculous what God's doing. Y'all got a good deal going on down here. Do y'all realize you got a good deal going on? Turn your neighbor and say, we got a good deal going on down here. What if? <coughs> what if God? What if God wanted you guys to expand and to do more than you're doing right now? By His hand. Think about it. Just think about it just for a moment. What if? What if God wanted you guys reaching out and touching more people? What if you planted more churches around the city? What if you planted churches around the state? What if? What if God set you up out of this place to touch all the nations of the earth? What if? Now listen, sometimes they'll say, well, no, wait a minute, hold on. We're just down here in downtown Toledo. Now hold on just a minute. Does that mean that you can't touch all the nations of the earth? Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, if you would put Acts 1-8 up, Ben, please. What what does that say? You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me where? In Jerusalem and in? And in? How far does God want you to go? Guys, I, I preach in a different church every weekend. And you know what breaks my heart? When I get in a church that limits itself to what God would have them to do. And I look at them and I say, what if? What if? God wants to use you to touch the ends of the earth. Well, does that mean I have to go? No, that doesn't mean you have to sell your house and leave and go. That does not, you might have to, I don't know. But there are ways that we can touch all the ends of the earth. What if? Sometimes we get so busy and we get to thinking about our church and let's just keep everybody happy and make things run smooth and let's keep thinking. We forget about Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What if God wants to take what he's doing here and spread it out through the city, through the state, through the region, through the nation? What if? See, the truth is, we've got to do things differently. The church has got to come to the place that we allow reformation to take place because, quite frankly, in a lot of places, we're not getting the job done. A lot of churches aren't getting things done. They're caring for their own and they're keeping their us for no more. But they're not realizing there's a whole world out there. 
They're not realizing that there's people that need more. I oversee churches all over the world, really. <coughs> One of the churches I over, began overseeing about five or six years ago was a church in Gaston, Alabama. It's called The Well. The well is not as big as you guys are. But in the last five years, really in the last two years, they've, they've planted two new campuses about 30 or 40 miles from where they are. Because what happened was they had people driving so far to come into what God was doing in that place. They said, look, maybe we need to reach some people in that area. So they went into some areas where there was not a church, and they began saying, God, we want to reform that area. They kept their congregation where they were, but then they started reaching out. And they're fixing to go on their third one. Now, what is that all about? It's about being a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the earth. Five years ago, they didn't believe they had anything to give. But do you know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because everything pours into it and nothing pours out of it. If you want to keep this place alive, you better figure out a way to get it out. Because you got a lot coming into you, you got to figure out how you're going to get it out. The Dead Sea is dead because everything flows into it, but nothing flows out of it. And listen to me, if the church is going to be functional... And if the church is going to be effective, and if the church is going to reach the world, the church has got to decide, not only will I receive, but I will also freely give. So let me say it again. How far is it God can take you as a congregation to bless all the nations of the earth? How far will you let it go? Listen, sky's the limit. It's what God can do. Now, let me say it again. Y'all got a good deal going on down here. This worship tonight was good now. How many of y'all enjoyed the worship tonight? <laughs> hey, I don't get visions in all the worship I go into. Some of the worship I go into, I endure till I can get up to preach. <clears throat> tonight, I had me a vision. I just got beside myself and was happy. God's done so many things here. There's so much more. But the thing we got to look at too in our life as Christians is as we as sons and daughters have the right, the privilege, the joy, the excitement, the responsibility. But I got to be recalibrated. You see, if I'm gonna, if I'm really gonna be effective in what I do in the earth, I got to have God restore power to my life. I, I, I gotta, I gotta let God realign me. I gotta, I gotta let God give me new assignments in my life. I, I gotta, I gotta have that reformation come in me. God's gotta reform me. God's gotta take me places I've never been before. And you know what? I think God's doing something big here. I've come to tell you, God is doing something big here. Amen? I'll say it again. God's doing something big here. 
<clears throat> Sometimes we look at where we are and think, oh, God's not going to use us to do anything. I say God is doing something big here. Don't limit. Don't limit God and what He wants to do with you. Y'all are some awesome people. You got something to give, man. You got you, you see God. God is He's doing something. And we as a church of America, not only this congregation, I see it in other congregations. But right now the Church of America is being recalibrated. Because there's coming a move of God in America. It's going to take all of us getting on board. Amen. Amen. There's coming a move of God in America where the church is not only wanted but needed again. Amen. Amen. And if we don't get ourselves recalibrated right now, we're not going to be able to rise to the place that God wants us to rise to. So, Father, I'm asking now in Jesus' name that you would recalibrate us. Lord, we're asking tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would get us ready for what it is that you want to do. Lord, I believe that there's something so significant that's taking place here, God, not only in Toledo, but God in America, that, Lord, I want to give my life to it. Father, tonight in the name of Jesus, I want to choose as a son to be on point. Lord, I don't want to be left behind. Lord, I don't want you to use somebody else because I'm not ready or I don't want to. God, I want to be one that's ready to step up and say, God, recalibrate me. I don't want to be out of touch, Lord. I don't want my prayer life to be lagging. I don't want my word life to be lagging. Lord, I don't want to be half full of the Holy Spirit. When you call on me to raise somebody from the dead or to heal someone who is sick, God, I don't want to have to go and pray through and get ready so I can do it. Lord, I want to be full. Lord, I don't want you to pass me by because I'm not prepared. I want to get myself ready. And I'm asking you tonight, Father, recalibrate me. Because, God, I believe you're doing something huge. If you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Brother Ron, I want God to recalibrate my life. If that's you, I want you to get up from your seat and come join me right here. I'm standing. I'm asking the Lord to recalibrate me. Now, I'll be honest with you, I got preached to while I was preaching tonight. I'm glad you guys are here, but this one's for me. But if you're here and you say, you know what, I want God to recalibrate my life. I want you to leave your seat and just come and say, you know what, I need that right now. This afternoon I was preparing for tonight And I'm going to tell you what I told the Lord So Lord I don't want you to leave me behind Because I'm not ready I began to read through these scriptures And think through some of the things That I was going to say tonight And I'll be honest with you I saw things in me that needed to change. How many of y'all tonight while I was preaching saw something in you that needed to change? I saw something in me that needed to change. So I got down beside the bed in my room. Guess what? I began to bring some change. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something right now. God's serious. He's serious about what we carry. 
You know what? You can have people minister to you for the rest of your life if you want to. Or you can come to the place that you receive the fullness of the grace of the Lord Jesus and the power of His Holy Spirit. And you begin to rise above and look for someone that you can minister to. You find somebody that you can touch through the power of prayer. You can find somebody that needs what you have to offer. And I want to pray over us as a whole tonight in this congregation at this altar that God would recalibrate us for the season we're in. You say, well, I don't think I need it. Let me remind you what my nephew told me about that plant in Houston. He said, I have to recalibrate these gauges. If I neglect any of them and they get out of calibration, I can blow the plant up. You know what? Sometimes when you don't think you need it is when you need it the most. I've got this warning light on my car that tells me when my tires are low. The other day my wife said, that light's on on the car. I walked around and looked at the tires. They look fine. Until I put the pressure gauge on it. And one of the tires was extremely low. I thank God for the light coming on. Because it told me of an issue, a problem I needed to fix. But can I just tell you, just looking at it at face value, it looked fine. It didn't look low. In fact, I almost didn't do anything with it. Because I thought, it looks okay. Guys, I'm going to tell you something right now. Some of y'all look at your life and you say, now I'm doing okay. And you may think you're doing okay, but you need to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I really? God, where is it? Would you just check, check the pressure in my life right now? God, am I a little low? <laughs> Lord, do you need to recalibrate my life? Now guys, listen. While I was preparing this message, I asked the Lord, Lord, what do I need to be recalibrated in? And He began to show me. I was the guy preaching tonight, right? I got down beside my bed, and guess what? I had some issues that I had to get recalibrated on with the Lord. So this is not about bringing shame or condemnation to anyone. It's about calling us all up higher to the next level. You hear me? Do y'all want to go to the next level, guys? I don't know about y'all. I'm ready to take another step up. As good as it is and as awesome as God is, I want to get closer to Him and I want to step higher. So Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray that You'd recalibrate all of us in this altar. (coughs) Father, I pray that You would grab hold of our lives. Lord, You'd recalibrate. Everybody take, take a couple of steps forward. Would You please, everybody? couple steps forward. God, I'm asking you to recalibrate our lives tonight. God, we're standing in this altar tonight. And Lord, we've been challenged by the power of your word. Lord, I've been. God, I'm asking you to recalibrate me. Father, I pray God standing at this altar right now, Lord, you would begin speaking to every one of us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would have just recalibrated us. Lord, we don't have to fall on the ground and squall and bawl and have a fit. We don't have to have any of that. We can simply hear you and say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to get that right. So, Lord, I'm asking you to come now and restore your power in us. 
I'm asking you to realign us, God. Get us in right alignment where we run true again. God, get us in right assignments, Lord. Get us in the right place where we need to be in the body of Christ. Father, I pray, God, that you would begin reforming us into the church. It's an honor to you. (coughs) Father, we're asking you to sovereignly begin pouring out on us as sons and daughters. Father, sovereignly begin pouring out on us as sons and daughters. Father, I pray, Lord, the power of your anointing, the power of your presence. Father, we just begin to flow. Father, I pray right now as you recalibrate us. Father, we won't live under condemnation, but Father, we will live with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Father, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, Father, we will live, Acts 13, 52, continually filled with joy and Holy Spirit. God, just recalibrate us now. I want to ask you right now where you're standing. Right where you're standing.